Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We've run these two ARGs, one in the lead up to Atlas Rising and now this one, which have been really popular, like 300,000 people playing the first one, 400,000 people playing this one. And that's our way of communicating now with the community, or it has been, right? And I used to joke when we started up the ARG that we ran these because we had basically been banished to the astral plane. And we could only talk to the community through, like, moving things on a table, or they would ask if a certain feature was in the game, and we would, like, kick the door or something. Those are the words of Sean Murray in a piece that went up today on Waypoint called We Spent an Hour Talking to Hello Games About Everything No Man's Sky. That was an interview conducted, of course, with uh, the two other people on this call. And of course, this is Waypoint Radio 171. Uh, joining me today, of course, is Austin Walker. Hi. And Patrick Klepik. Hi. How you guys doing? You, you did quite an interview. It's Friday, uh, so yeah. I'm doing okay. I'm finally, it's almost done. We almost survived the week, which Just is about. helpful, and yeah. it's good. And I figured, uh, since we had a really great feature this week, one really great sort of shining piece uh, that we had go up on the site, I figured that was probably a good topic for us to talk about, is well, uh, No Man's Sky and what happened with No Man's Sky, which is what you talked to Sean Murray about. Totally. It's, it's, plus there's like Murray? a lot of jumping off Murray points. or Murray? Murray. Murray? Murray. 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 Mr. Murray. Murray. That's Murray? right. Murray. Murray. Sean. Sh- I Mr. Kept- Sean yes. Murray. Sean Murray. Sean M. It's funny because like, I kept thinking his name – I kept seeing his name being like, that's not right. Is that right? Is that Really? I don't – it's like a weird block in my head. It was just like it wasn't – it didn't – it wasn't rolling off my tongue the right way. I was like, but of course I know his name. Like it was super weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, we have a, we have an interview up on the site if you haven't seen it yet, as Danielle mentioned, uh, waypoint.advice.com. 9,500. That's too many. It's a lot of words. <laughs> it's not 90. Patrick, it is 9,500 words. It's 9,500 words. It is 9,500. And I was like, that's not. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's a lot of I words. Mean, it's, yeah. It's, it, was a, it was a conversation. It's a lot easier to go over on yes. words than to yeah. sit and write, write 9,500 words. <laughs> we didn't write 9,500 words. Right, exactly. that's true. Exactly. That's true. That's certainly true. But it is a good, meaty conversation. Yeah. You guys tackle a lot. I mean, let's talk about maybe a tiny bit of, of where this came from. Obviously, the new that's not a new game, but Next is very much feels like a major, massive update to this game. And in some ways, it almost feels like... Uh, not a sequel, but... No, but like a 2.0. Yeah, or like 2.0. A, and a rebooting in Yeah, some a reboot. Ways. It does feel like a reboot, right? Because it's coming out on Xbox One next For the Tuesday. first time on that platform. Right. Yeah. And it's coming out with this update in it already, which means like if you were in the... If you were just starting uh, now, it's like, oh, wow, I'm getting the version of the skin that has a bunch of stuff that was just not there at all. 
And so it is like it does feel like an opportunity for them for on the other platforms on PlayStation and on PC to also just kind of like, hey, we're going to make new things that can maybe bring you back to the game. Um, big picture, like from what the trailer they released last week, if people haven't seen that yet and are curious, it's like multiplayer is the big one, um, which Sean confirmed to us is like you and three of your friends or like – uh, four four people per a sort of instance, right? Um, or no, I think it's just four which, people which in a can party, mean, in a party, like, random can, journey style interactions occasionally. He described a moment where he like ran into someone at a trading post, and I was like, "Whoa, shit! There's a person here," which was really good. Um, uh, this whole new system around having like a whole armada of freighters, basically. Um, where you're like, or frigates, you have a freighter and then you have a team of frigates that he compared to the assassins in Assassin's Creed 2 Brotherhood. You send them out and they go do stuff. And then like a whole, a whole collection of like visual enhancements, um, character customization, and then third person, which is also huge, especially if you're, you know, like some of my friends who like get sick playing first person right. games or who like just can only play them for an hour or two, being able to be like, in third person and also just like cool just to see your option, fucking shit. Right? Yeah, it's an option. Point in yes. the game, you first can just or third. Switch that out. Gotcha. Um, and it's cool to just like, oh, wow, yeah, you see your ship doing cool roles instead of, instead of just first person stuff, you know? Um, and so, yeah, we had the opportunity to talk to him about that, but also about just, hey, yeah, what what happened? What, what went down? So, I, I guess to tee this up, if if folks weren't around a couple of years ago, sure, No Man's Sky was hyped quite a bit. It was uh, it became a game that Sony was hyping uh, quite a bit at their E3 for a couple of years. Was, I think 2015 was like the massive push. That was when uh, Sean was on stage was and on like stage, yeah, did yeah. a live gameplay demo. But it had been on there. I think 2014 they showed gameplay also. Yeah, yeah. it was yeah. announced in. 2013, the 2013. very, very end at Game at the at Game Awards? At the VGX at the or was time. It VG it was still, still VGX. Yeah, gotcha, yes, gotcha. that was the year that uh, Keeley and what's-his-face from Community? Oh, yeah, okay. The hell's his name? The guy who... I Talk Soup host? The little yes. Talk Soup host? What's his name? Oh, my God. This is... Joel McHale. Joel McHale. Joel, Joel McHale. McHale. Thank, Thank you, Natalie. Natalie. You could have said it. That. You could have said it out loud. <laughs> He's like making mouth mouth shapes at me. Mouth sounds. Joel McHale. Joel McHale. And Joel McHale was just like such a downer who's just like, yeah, video games. I guess if someone cares about those, we'll show those off. But then the No Man's Sky trailer came out and he's like, wow, six people are making this, huh? Fuck. Okay. That that looked pretty cool. Uh, and, uh, and I think from there, like people were really excited. But a lot of the features that came up during developments, during trailers, uh, including during live demos, ranging from, you know, the crash traders on the surface of planets to multiplayer a to a giant sandworm, which was <laughs> multiplayer. Important. I think was a big sandworm point slash for a lot snake. Of yeah, um, to um, faction conflict, all sorts of stuff was at various points gestured at or said. Uh, and as is the case with most games, over the course of development, things changed. And I think the thing that came out, one of the things that came out in conversation with Sean was like. Yeah, we shouldn't have shown what we had because it was liable to change. And we were – there's that Kanye West line in uh, Don't Tell Me Nothing, which is like I'm on TV talking like it's just you and me. Uh, and it's like you can't do that. That's not <laughs> – your job is not – you're not – we're not hanging out at the bar. Right. right? We're, we are, you know, you're pitching me a, a product. Um, right. And, and, you know uh, – I think that by the end of that game's life cycle, Sean had gotten out there and said, like, oh, yeah, there's not multiplayer in the way you think. Okay, there's, here's what this game is. And enough press had played it a little bit to be like, okay, I think we know what this is now. It's a survival game. So 
comes kind out of, about what two years ago, almost exactly. Almost exactly, August twenty sixteen. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Early August, uh, and so by then. It had built up this huge, like, hype. The forever game. The forever I think that game, was a, the, the that was a term that was thrown game, around the... that nobody will ever need another game again right. because, uh, again, the pitch on that. this game is that there are millions and millions right. of planets. It's procedurally generated, so there's, like, endless, infinite right. content. And then it comes out and, like, you know, the ship combat isn't good or, or necessary ever. Uh, and the it's it's a survival game. It's like Minecraft, but in space with like bright colors, and the animals aren't doing anything that's like particularly interesting. Um, and for me, despite all of that, it was still something I liked a lot. It was a great relaxing tool. I liked exploring the worlds and kind of taking in the vistas. I liked the the exploration stuff and the the kind of scavenging and salvaging stuff. Um, but for a lot of folks, like it felt like they'd been sold a bill of goods, uh, which which to some degree is fair. Up into a point, which is like I think a lot of people pulled the trigger on their purchase way too early, which it was a huge conversation at the time about uh, pre-orders and stuff like that. So, you know, one of the things that was great is like finally getting to talk to Sean about all yeah. of that stuff because after the game came out, they Sean went radio silent. The yeah. game, the, the Hello Games, continued to support the game and update the game over the course of the last two years. They put out three big updates: one that added. Uh, base building, one that added like uh, vehicles and uh, I want to say like There's some more story stuff in there. Well, the third well. one's the story I'd stuff, and then the like yeah. and then like gestures at multiplayer. Like it basically would you would see other players as little floating lights in the world, <laughs> um, and like a thirty hour story campaign. Yeah. Um, and so between all of those things, it gets become a game uh, and freighters. You can you can pilot freighters now. There are crashed freighters on the ground now. So bit by bit, they've been adding stuff that was either explicitly promised or shown off on a stage, um, or stuff that was implied early on in some interview and then clarified along along the way. Um, but all of that was done without Sean Murray being out there, uh, who was who became sort of a spokesman for the game, even though the team grew in size, right? Like it started with he was the first programmer on it, then it became four people, then six, then fifteen by launch. Now it's twenty five, uh, and so this is the first time he was making the rounds again as a kind of uh, spokesman for the game. Um, and it's like, hey, like I'm really happy. I mean, Patrick, I'm curious how you think that conversation went uh, because on my side, it's like, okay, we get to ask pretty much everything I wanted to ask. Not everything. There's always more, but. All the big stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've I've talked to Sean uh, a number of times in the past. I was part of that like No Man's Sky promotional tour, and like there's a there's a bit in there where he discusses you know some of the reaction from the press when they would meet with Hello Games or with Sean specifically. There'd be other team members, but you're usually having an interview with uh, Sean. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, like they were very like they let their guard down. They spoke in a way that uh, you. Well, you would l- wish you could talk to more developers where they just said what they wanted to say and uh, said it in a very honest uh, way that you don't feel like you get out of a lot of developers. And uh, that like really bit them in the ass in a way that um, <laughs> like it is, is both their fault and, and is, and is also like it's 50% their fault, 50% like naivete or maybe like, and then there's some like 25% Sony should have stepped in and yeah. like helped guide them because they uh-huh. know better. Um and and the fact that like Sony was riding No Man's Sky's coattails uh, to financial windfall uh, means that they probably should have stepped in to like do the do the thing that a publisher is supposed to do, do the thing that a big company like that has pr- prior relations with the press and knows how meetings go. Um, uh, so I yeah I thought it was a really interesting 
uh, conversation. You see a lot of through lines between the three major interviews that he did. He did one with the Eurogamer, he did one with the Guardian, and um, those were all like really terrific interviews as well. Um, and and I think like sort of like, the through line you see in it is a person realizing that they were accidentally thrust into a role of a public relations <laughs> spokesperson. Uh, discovered sort of after the fact that they weren't very good at it. Um, and I'm not, I wouldn't necessarily argue that he's bad at it. I think he's very good at articulating, uh, like, the vision for No Man's Sky, like, the passion that that, right. that studio has and advocating yeah. on behalf of the developers that he represents as their spokesperson for the, for the, the studio as a whole. Um, but, you know, learning the hard way, like, where you're supposed to stop yourself, like, learning the hard way where you're supposed to temper expectations, like, learning the hard way all these other things. And so we watch someone learn that in real time. And part of the reason it lands better and is more interesting through these interviews uh, is because the game is better. Like the game, like it's still, I don't think the game that I want to play, but that's not because it's a a, a bad game. It's just not the, the game that I, <laughs> I want to play. Um, uh. But I, but I don't think you, like, I don't think you can, can look at the last couple of years of no man's sky and whatever faults you may want to continue to hold against them. Uh, you can't say they didn't make good in the last couple of years on trying to turn that thing around and, and really hit upon a closer version of what people maybe had built up in their head uh, prior to that game's release. I really want to talk a little bit about uh, some of the stuff you were talking there in the in the beginning. I'll, I'll just read a tiny little piece here uh, where he's talking about... Uh, you know, talking to press, talking about going into interviews. So really, we should have been in a more scripted mindset. I look back on those interviews and they're vague and rambling, kind of like this. And he sort of laughs at himself. That's my natural way of talking. I can feel that I'm already rambling. This is why I shouldn't talk to anyone. He laughs again. <laughs> uh, but this is the real meat of it. We would talk to press. We would uh, we would talk to people like yourselves at E3 or whatever. And they'd be like, oh, it's so nice to sit down with developers and just chat about things and chat about games in general. And the communities react really well to it. Sean's cool. He just talks about games. He seems like a normal person. It's so nice. It's not those scripted PR. And you guys would be like, why don't publishers just have this? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Now, I 100% get it. I've got some advice for past Sean. So it's like a really, <laughs> it's both a really heartening thing uh, to see as, you know, somebody who does this side of it as well. Like, it is nice when you go to E3 and you talk to, say, indie developers or, or PAX or wherever you go, and you talk to developers who are very honest right. and very unguarded about their games. Right. Like, I've always really enjoyed that and really appreciated that, just kind of shooting the shit with people, talking about game design, talking about this sort of thing. But being but earnest course, is, a tr- is a trick, right? So Yeah, like, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, am, I am incredibly earnest and honest and transparent, seemingly, on this podcast, on Twitter, on Inst- like wherever, right? Like it's all e- e- like there is being unguarded and then there's performative unguarded. And right. what what Sean has learned or is learning um, is like what performative unguarded is, right? It's like being he's he's very good at spinning answers and, and spinning makes it uh, sound uh, like pejorative. But like he gives really interesting answers, like very articulate answers. Um, but like you have to have an internal calculus over that stuff too. And like, that's the performance part of an interview or being on a podcast or whatever the venue is when you are doing something that it is in a semi-public space, like speaking to a reporter is a semi-public space. Um, And like just watching someone talk about hitting the the hiccups on that and learning that um, is, is, is fascinating. Um, There's also a scale. see a lot of that. 
Yeah, definitely. And there's also like a scale issue here too, right? If I go to the indie mega booth and I talk to two folks who are making a game and it is a smaller scale game, it is a different mindset than somebody being up on a stage at E3, right? Or being sort of, you know, featured by Sony in this massive giant mega way. Like it is such a different experience. And it almost seems to me as if Sean is coming from or was coming from more of that smaller scale it was sort of sort of experience or like, you know, being on a small team at the time, being six people or whatever it was when they were first working on this game to then being like, oh, it's still a small team. But also we have to fulfill this like <laughs> massive promise that is now millions of people have seen this, like millions and millions of people right. have have these expectations. And that is actually fascinating and not actually, I think, a super common story that we see much of in our industry. Right. Like we don't see this process happening of a person going from you know, really a behind-the-scenes engineer-style kind of developer to being like, oh, you're the PR person now, also you're the spokesperson, also you're on stage in front of millions of people. Right. Like, also, that is not necessarily the most common path. Right, well, like, and that's the team that made Joe Danger, Joe Danger. 1 and 2. Yeah. Right? And and I'm not dissing Joe Danger. Stunts are cool. Motorcycles, also cool. Smaller game. Smaller game. Yeah. And the stakes are lower, right? right. Like, they're, they're – Joe, Joe Danger may have one day showed up on an ID at Xbox – you know, uh, uh, what do you call it? Like a, a, a rapid fire video montage, right? But Four it was, seconds of footage. Right. Of like, oh, wait, that's Joe you know. Danger. Sick. You know, <laughs> yeah. but like, you know, if Joe Danger 2 was supposed to have motorcycles and now also stunt boats and also hang gliders and the hang gliders got pulled before release, no one is going to – like someone is going to throw a fit. But by and large – that response is not going to be a huge backlash to Joe Danger three. The hang gliders didn't fucking make it in. Like right. that, the the stakes were so much lower. Um, and also, Joe Danger is a game that explains itself very clearly. It's an arcadey, stunny, you know, game where the you're, scope of that game is yes is is I'm not trying to say limited as in it's like a super focused. simple game, but it's focused exactly right. exactly. And it's clear from watching someone play it for two stages. Like, oh yeah, Joe Danger, I get it. I get what that game is. Um, no Man's Sky was not that and I, I will say that I think that part of the disconnect is that, that came up here and like I've gone back now and looked at some some old interviews. I've rewatched all of the trailers and all of like the stage presentation stuff is that so much of what is going on – what so much of what the game is trying to get at is a sense of mystery and that doesn't mean that it has mysteries in it uh, and so – there are things that he said and things he didn't say in interviews that were about that sense of mystery. So like if you go read – there's a Game Informer article from 2014 in which uh, the, the subject is like don't expect multiplayer from No Man's Sky, which is like, <laughs> yep, yeah, uh-huh, they, they published that in 2014 and yet people still expected multiplayer from No Man's Sky. Uh, and in that interview, there are moments where what Sean Murray – what anybody else would have said – not anybody else, but what other what other devs in, the, in that situation where it says like, oh yeah, we're not going to add multiplayer in by by the time it ships, uh, and instead it, what we get is like, um, you know, the the universe is really big, it's very unlikely you're going to see anybody, and if you do, it'll be this very brief thing. And you know, he's gesturing at a thing that he talked about in our interview today or that went up today um, about the sort of like, hey, we're trying to make space, you know, uh, 2001: a Space Odyssey, not Star Wars. And we're trying to make something tonal. We're trying to make something uh, contemplative. 
uh, not something that's filled with action and 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 stuff. Uh, and so this interview is so wild. It's because it's just like – and I'm not dissing the interviewer here because the interviewer is doing, doing their job of like trying to get an answer to this. Where it's like, will your friend show up on the map? And Sean's like, yeah, but they'll be far away away. Uh, you're not going to run into them, right? And it's like, OK, well, it seems like uh, there's like a high risk to incorporate that because – you know, why would you even – if you're going to incorporate it, well, you're never going to see any, see anybody? And Sean's like, yeah, it's OK for it to never happen. If it happens, it will be very, very, very light. So how many people could it be? How many could it be theoretically? And it's like it's – I don't want to say the number because who – it's like, OK, well, will your friends take priority in that lobby? And it's like, oh, just Sean, just say it's not a multiplayer game or we have multiplayer in it, but it's at a testing phase. We can't commit to it right now. Right. We'd love to get it in, into the we'll game. We'll have more to announce closer to launch. Closer to, yep, to launch. There you go. That's all. That's all. That's all. <laughs> That's um, what you did. Like, instead, he, he was doing a lot of answers that were like literally probably explaining some of their thought processes. They were working through right. their design yeah. goals and the practicalities of, of what they were making. And uh, I mean, I, I think this is illustrative. Uh, this like ties into like some of the cyberpunk stuff we were talking about at E3, like, you know, CD Projekt Red's decision to not release uh, a the, their demonstration for a game they said was in, like, early alpha um, because they got burned on uh, The Witcher 3 and the way that people picked apart, like, oh, like, you know, the, Witcher 3 had a, you know, a similar situation, No Man's Sky, not quite at the same scale, um, but one in which people were picking apart old promises, in this case, the fidelity. Dark Souls 2 actually had this same issue when it came to the lighting. Like, there's a huge controversy over Dark Souls 2's lighting. Like, go look up some YouTube videos uh, uh, and find some some outrage there. Like, there's a reason developers don't, aren't, don't usually talk so frank because, like, what do they get out of it, right? Like, what, what do they ultimately get out of being honest and transparent about where they're at in a process? Like, like maybe you get, like, a the the reporter often feels like they're getting something more interesting, uh, but to the like quote unquote gamers like have shown they can't really be trusted with this information. <laughs> like they don't have the ability to put it in context. Like and I'm you know I'm painting with a very broad brush, but like like generally speaking, people have shown an inability to understand uh, like w- why a game can change, a game can change, and not holding that against the developer because. It's not a promise. It's just a statement, um, and that's not to excuse. I think I think Hello Games did like play into this. Like it, w- once it was already a thing, they continued to play into it as a thing in a way that um, off- did feel slightly disingenuous. Um, but uh, nonetheless, like you know, people have not shown that if they were actually given full transparent access to how a game was made, that they'd be able to really handle how that process goes. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Right. Totally. I mean, I think that that is, 
so much of I don't you know I don't say like what's at stake because what we're talking about at the end of the day is like this game made by a small team either would or would not come out either would or would not be a big financial success and I, I obviously want everyone in their artistic pursuits to be to be fulfilled or whatever right but it is interesting for me you know I guess the the the, the coda I'm saying there or the the kind of uh, qualifier I'm saying is like. I know this is not the end of the world. I know that this is not like high on our list of political concerns or anything like that. But I do want the world of games to be a place where one consumers and players and and you know budding developers understand what game development looks like yeah. and how things can change over the course of time. Um and two a, a place where those sorts of changes and risk taking, the sort of risk taking and ambition is applauded and then when it when they fuck up it's okay for that project to fail and and to just not support it but it doesn't also have to become and then they you send them bomb threats right right um which is the thing that happens here from the Eurogamer I believe it was the the Eurogamer or the Guardian interview um revealed that like yeah they'd receive bomb threats like over not having crashed frigates at their freighters in the game like are you fucking kidding me right that it's it's there's such a chilling effect on ever wanting to talk openly about your game right now until it's ready to go. And even with us, even with us, there was a moment where he like starts to get his eyes bright. You know, he's he's describing um, – and I, I kind of have to call him on it for a moment, um, right? Uh, what, Towards like, the end, I think I know exactly what you're talking about. It's the pirate bit, right? Here it is. Here it is. He goes like um, – over the last two years, uh, now especially with Next, every part of it's becoming deeper. That's really exciting, and it's becoming broader as well. It's weird um, uh, when you see multiplayer and you see the scale of it, and you, and you see we've got unlimited base building, and you can command a set of frigates. You can live out so many different science fiction fantasies all within this universe sandbox that we've built. That's really exciting, and for more people, each time we update the game, it becomes their hopefully perfect game or the game that they've wanted to play forever or whatever it is. That's the fun thing to do. And it's like he's speaking so honestly about the game, but that is the sort of language that has those gaps that are waiting to be filled by the listener. That's what got him in trouble last time. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and the thing that's frustrating is that that does get him in trouble because yeah. there, I would like there to be a world in which artists can say stuff like – then you can command a set of frigates could mean anything, right? And and yes, it would be good if that product ships. If on Monday I open that game, I start playing that game or Tuesday, whenever it is, and it's like, oh, there's no frigates in here. Like, all right, well, dude, you just told me that there are going to be frigates in this yeah. thing. There aren't frigates. I'm not commanding shit. That's a real problem. And that's like, that. okay, he's lying to me. But there should be something different between that and a year ago when he's like painting this picture for what the game is and – it releases and doesn't have those things. It's like okay, it's been years since since that happened. Should the com- should the company have gotten out there or the developer gotten out there and been like, hey, we got rid of that stuff? Probably, but I don't know what the venue is for that. And that he brings that up too with the snake, which is like, should we have released a? There was an early trailer of that game that reveals like a giant, <laughs> a big dune like a dune style sandworm. Yeah. Um, and they removed it or they turned it into like a flying worm instead because on the ground it just wasn't fun. So do we run a like a press release to say, hey, we got rid of the sandworm. No more sandworms and no man's got like it's I mean so- that, that, that that's they shouldn't have gone silent for two years. No. Like they, they made they made a they made a, a I I was going back and forth with someone on Twitter today where they were 
they they were still sort of well, they they liked that they were making the game better, but they were still like genuinely upset over like the fact that they shipped this game and then in a in a way disappeared without sort of explaining like the, the rockiness of, of the launch and what happened with some of these issues. And and as I was thinking through it with them, you know, I landed on I don't I don't think Sean trusted himself anymore to be that person to explain right. it. And between the harassment and the threats and the fact that he had shown an inability to show the sort of restraint that was required to sell the game in 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 the way that you just sort of have to in like the way people were specifically responding to this game that the most reasonable the most responsible thing to do was to just say nothing focus on the game and then come back once you've kind of cleared your head because right. uh if you just came back immediately like in the middle of all of that would it would it necessarily have improved anything i don't know i do, i do think it was still a mistake to not say anything i think what the team probably should have done was put out like a big statement, you know, put it in an image with the, some fancy No Man's Sky artwork and like sh- do a little bit of a mea culpa for what happened and then say like, I, you know, 500 words and then say, right. and now we're going to go heads down and improve No Man's Sky and then go disappear. Or, or do what he suggested, which is like have the roadmap. All right, here's where the game is at launch. We know things are missing. We know things that last year Here are, are our stretch goals. Right. Well, except not, not even, in, in terms of money, but in terms right. of like. Okay, in terms of time, Totally. Like last year at Sony and in 2015, they opened that that, – this is maybe one of the ones where I'm like, oh, this is the worst one. Like as someone who likes this game and is a a No Man's Sky apologist and can speak honestly and genuinely about how much that game means to me, when I see Sean on stage open a a sequence where he like gets into a a fight uh, in space with like a bunch of different capital ships and the fight – the ships are fighting each other and he's like, we're at a border between two factions and this is like the front line. As they fight and I can decide to support one side or the other. There's like nothing like that in that game. Even two years later, there's nothing like it. Like, yes, you can attack capital ships in that game and pirates occasionally will. But there's no like faction interaction and you can gain reputation with different factions and all that stuff too. But there's no – there are no right now lines drawn in space between these large factions that you're contributing in a fight with. Clearly simplified. It's it's not just simplified. It's gone. It isn't there at all. And so – when if I'm a player at home who's like I'm I the, the the fantasy that I'm mapping on is armchair admiral you know is I'm gonna help push the the space robots away and and the space little turtle people You're Rob right Sorry. exactly if I'm playing as Rob I'm seeing that demo a year ago and be like okay I can feel okay I can see what this is in the same way that for me the gaps that I was feeling was like. Man, I'm going to see a bunch of cool fucking planets. They only showed me two planets, three planets, four planets, but I bet you there's like – I'm going to see like seven dozen good planets. And it turned out that my supposition from what they showed was right and it's a big part of why I came into that game where my hype was sated. Uh, Whereas if you're coming at it from the like, okay, they said on a stage that there were faction interactions of that sort – like that one to me is so much that, – that sort of thing was so much more distinct. And also it didn't feel genuine in the way that Sean sometimes can when he's talking in this mysterious way. When Sean talks about, oh, the, the multiplayer is going to be this thing where like did you even pass someone in the night? Like we're not going to put player names above their heads or anything. We don't want to show – like, OK. I, who knows if that's going to be in or not. But I get what you're going for there. When you watch that footage of him on a stage being like, and now I'm going to get into some com- some space combat. It's like, oh, you're ticking the fucking box. You're making this game way more appealing. 
Um, and and I don't know who said you should go do that. I don't know if that was an internal thing from him and, and No Man's Sky or from Hello Games. I don't know if that was a Sony thing saying, hey, people really want to see space combat. Show them the juiciest, most uh, ambitious, aggressive thing that you can that That'd you think guess. you'll make. Yeah. That's my guess. Yeah. But like – that was one of those ones where it's like, okay, like that is – I don't think that was a lie in the sense that I think he believed that they would have that system in by launch and they didn't. Uh, and so I can imagine the player who's like, well, is that stuff there? I don't know. I'll just buy it anyway. And like that sucks and that's really tough. But I want to find the middle ground between those things so yeah. that as fans, you can both want to take the risk or support work that's taking risks, support work knowing that what you saw a year, two years, three years ago could be completely different than what you're buying, but also where where we are able to say like, okay, well, what what's a big promise look like? What's a little promise look like? You know. So I I just want to ask this. I don't know if this is really completely uh, on base uh, as a comparison, but it is something I've been thinking about a lot since reading this interview and thinking about something like around 10 years ago, we had a lot of overpromising uh, from somebody like Peter Molyneux or even like Dennis Dyack talking about the one console future. And we had game developers who were overpromising mm-hmm. the moon in their games, but the response seemed to be more of a, oh, that's Peter Molyneux going off. You know, there's, <laughs> there's the Peter Molyneux uh, Twitter account that was like right. fake, ridiculous game ideas and overambitious things. Like it, it seemed like the reaction to those types of things. And I'm not saying that neither of them have ever received a death threat. I'm sure they have. If you're in a public persona whatsoever in, uh, you know, in the modern era, I'm sure you've received a death threat. But it feels like the reception to that sort of overpromising and underdelivering is so much more toxic now. Uh, than it was, you know, even just a few years ago. This is this is still the modern era. I'm not talking about like you know, 1927 or anything here, right? This is like 10 years ago that we're talking about. And I don't know if either of you feel that, if there's any like valid comparison there or there's any sort of idea there or anything has actually really changed, but it definitely feels to me as if things have gotten more toxic in that regard. Patrick, I'm curious your thoughts there. Well, I mean, I, I, you know, it's people, it's easier for people to whip each other into a frenzy. I mean, I think we see that sure. uh, with with, yeah. with almost anything. I don't think that's exclusive to games. I don't think that's exclusive to to No Man's Sky. I mean, I, I think that is just part of the internet. That's part of Reddit. That's part of 4chan. That's part of YouTube. That's part of Twitter. Like, it, it is easier to get whipped into a frenzy. And so things that might have just kind of blown over in the past have more of a tendency to, like, gain steam, gain collective, and... Uh, be aimed, um, and I, I just—that's just, I, that's just a, a pretty natural tendency. I don't—I don't see that getting any better. That seems like that's only yeah. going to get worse. Um, it's—it's it's just more of a matter of like how you react and control and constrain that. And I think uh, part of what No Man's Sky ran into was that it—it—it it, it, it looks like a AAA game, but it was made by a smaller developer. Right. Yeah. And we are pretty well trained at this point um, that when a you see a, a trailer for Gears of War, like what you see is more or less what you're going to get, right? Like cool. that, that when they, the trailer they're putting out is being put out with purpose and that like what they are showing you is because they've thought this through, like whatever you, whether you like it or not, like you, you sort of, there's a face value aspect of AAA games by the nature of their development. And where No Man's Sky like blurred this line by looking like the kind of thing you expected from like a high production uh, or a, a big uh, uh, sort of like a resource studio, um, but was coming from a, tiny team that had never made something like this before. Yeah. Um, I think people took more of it at face value, took the interviews at face value because you've been trained to take the trailers at face value, to take interviews at face value. And so when those things 
became consistent when they didn't line up it was exponentially worse because the gap between those things was so much bigger than when something changes in a triple a game right like like when when something is shown in a halo or whatever like and it's not in the final product it's not like it's not nearly as big relative to the things that people were upset about or the things that were missing in no man's sky some of the things missing from no man's sky felt fundamental or elemental to the game that people had expected was coming and so like no man's sky in being like more honest and transparent than we're used to uh like messes with people's expectations and like created this gap and like again that's where i put a lot of this on sony um because they should have been the responsible party to step (laughs) in and be like they were seeing this game they were looking yep. at milestones. Yep. They knew this developer. Um, they, they may not have been like calling, you know, every shot that Hello Sky was doing or Hello Games was doing, but <laughs> like they were deeply familiar with No Man's Sky. And I do think Sony got greedy. I think Sony decided to just run with it. And I, I think it was irresponsible what they did relative to the naiveness of, of Hello Games. And this isn't, again, like a removing culpability from Hello Games for their own faults, but I do think there was a responsible partner in the room and they failed at like their primary thing, which is being a partner that steps in and goes, Whoa, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Hey, like, you're all right, six we're, people. Uh, <laughs> we're a year away from release. We got to, okay. We got to, we got to put walls up around this game. So people right. understand like where the, where the walls are. They can start understanding what it is, but you know, it was to Sony's benefit to, for people to not know. Um, yeah. um, yep. maybe that's more cynical than the reality, but, uh, but looking the other way certainly worked in Sony's favor. Well, I mean, at the very least, you can say, like, Sony has a responsibility as that game's publisher on, on PlayStation to, like, step in. And what, if they if they didn't do it because they thought that they'd be getting more hype or more sales or whatever, that's bad. And it's also bad if they were just negligent. If they just yeah. saw and were, or, like, they weren't keeping a close eye on the project. They weren't, all you know, all that stuff. I'll say also I think part of the difference between something like fable overpromising and um and this overpromising is He knew better. There's a one, pattern. <laughs> one you know you know better. Two he did. two uh there is Procgen is such a like a question mark and I think I've said this before maybe on this podcast but like if you don't know what procedural generation is capable of at any given moment, if you haven't been like paying attention to the the Tarn Adams and the Tanya Shorts and like the people in the space who do proc gen studies and like who are at the forefront of figuring out and Mark, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, I said Mark Jacobs, but that's Mark Johnson, Mark Johnson who's making uh, Ultima Ratia Regum, like. The people who are making this stuff have communicated. If you're in those spaces, what the limits of proc gen are, and, and so. You know, in Gears of War, let's say you see a dinosaur. You're like, yo, shit, there's a dinosaur? There's going to be a dinosaur stage? Word? Okay, cool, I'm going to see a dinosaur. And then if that's a dinosaur stage, I bet there's 12 other levels and each one has a different thing that really feels different and distinct. Um, and you can count on that. Uh, and and what you will also think is like – and then all those other creatures aren't just going to look like tweaked versions of that same creature. And that's not the case with No Man's yeah. Sky. You will see multiple dinosaurs. You will see multiple goats. But, like, you can see the skeletal structure. And, you know, they showed that stuff off ahead of time. They did show what the limits and strengths of, like, the ship generation looked like. But there was something about the the sort of magic of of the way it was pitched, which is, like, Sean just, like, flying you through millions and millions of stars. Like, there could be anything on those stars. Like, no, dog, it's going to be a forest. It's going to be an ice planet. It's going to be, like, floating forest ice planet. Some combination of some, like – 
30 things, right? And and it can be very easy to be like, well, this technology is so good that it's going to surprise me every time. And it isn't. And like I, I think right now, even No Man's Sky next, there's going to be a lot of people who jump onto it thinking it's going to be something more than what it is. And it's still going to be basically this game, which again came up in this interview, which was like, He's at the point now where he, it's okay if you don't play this game, Patrick. He doesn't care if you don't play this game <laughs> because it might just not be for you and that's okay. It's fine for there to be games that aren't for everybody and this game is going to be able to find its strength by leaning in with the audience it has now and the, the fans who now that they see what it is actually can say, yes, that is the thing that I'd like instead of trying to be everything for everybody. Um, and I, I hope this is also a big learning moment for a lot of people with like what proc gen is, right? Like it, it right now at least – can't create you cities on infinite planets where there's you know dialogue written for people and uh, reams of lore and to get that stuff you have to hire a writer and that's what they did for the no man's for the atlas rises for update the story. right um and so like stuff like that is is where it's like it's a learning lesson this whole thing for me as a as a critic as a fan uh is and as someone who like occasionally dips his toe in, in the creation of stuff like oh yeah okay like scope your fucking game communicate what your game is um, and don't trust that just because you and the and your friends understand what the game is, that the audience will too. There is there is going there are going to be gaps that they fill in, and the sexier your technology is, the more the more like up and coming, the the less they understand it. And because it's game dev, like very few people really understand a lot of different pieces of technology or or even just of like types of craft work. Um, there's a lot of room for people to fill in that, that gap, and and that can be detrimental to like getting your message across. So Austin, uh, I know you asked a question about the politics of this game, uh, and I'm really interested in how, I mean, from both of you, how you sort of reacted to Sean's uh, response, which was very like, we went through hell, right. you know, making this. It, it sucked. Uh, a lot of terrible things happened, but I, I want to believe in a better future. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very much paraphrasing here, but he kind of had that whole thing about wanting to have spectacle, wanting to have a hopeful vision of the future, yeah. even given everything that has sort of happened in the last few years. Yeah. Um, so how I did mean, you, how did you react to that? To his That's what like, I expected to some degree. Okay. Like he, but the game has uh, politics, right? Like yes, the game the game's politics is optimism about yes. technology. So it's like it's not a it's different than saying this game doesn't have politics. This game absolutely has a, a vision and an ideology like yeah. just because it's not like immediately reflective of like a current moment doesn't mean right. it has doesn't it's not, have something. It, de- it absolutely has something to say. <laughs> it's not trying to convince you to vote for for the Green Party, but right. like that doesn't mean there's nothing politically. Like it, is, the, Jill, the, is Jill Stein out there? Is that where that million dollars went? That's where it She's went. She's really a geck. She's a geck. That's you what know? it is. Gecks are green. I'm just gonna put uh-huh. it out there. Jill Stein might be a geck. You know, typical Gek are commonly corporate and plutocratic in their mannerisms with many of their titles tied to trading or industrial-related terms. I don't know if it quite adds yeah. up, but, um, you know, I think that, like, obviously there is there is lore in that world. There are, there are different species that do have different things. There's lots of questions about technology, lots of questions about determinism and, uh, you know, about, about whether or not we live in a simulation and blah, blah, blah. But there is just, like, aesthetically speaking, it's such a bright, hopeful game. Uh, it's such a – it's a game that, like uh, – understands exploration as being an innately positive thing 
um, and and colonization to some degree. That like we should go out there and make make our marks on the world. And strip in the, mining in the, new planets and strip mining new your, planets for stuff. For I, I don't want to be clear. Like I don't. I'm not. I, I think that there's nuance here. I think yeah. that like this versus a game versus a four X game, where what you literally are doing is I'm going to go put a mining rig down on every world I can fucking find, so that I can produce a war machine to crush my opponents, and so that I can literally enslave their populations. Like if you're playing Stellaris as a bad guy. That game encourages you in a in a much different way than this, it's very um, which is yeah. not which is not to say that you can't be critical about this stuff either, because sometimes dressing something up to where it looks apolitical is actually a little bit more dangerous, or dangerous is probably too strong, but um, uh, more malignant or something, right? Um, but what I do think is like there is this like the spirit of creation, the spirit of exploration, the spirit of human ingenuity, the spirit of collaboration. These things are good. That is that is the politics of this game. I think there there is a lot there to work with, but fundamentally under it all is like there is good and there is hope and things can get better. And so when I asked him that question, it was just like, yo, the first trailer of this game came out in 2013, months before Gamergate, years before Brexit, before Trump. Not that there were not already bad things happening in the world. There absolutely were, but it was a different time for a lot of us and a lot of things that were either personal uh, or experienced personally or now experienced socially. A lot of things that were on you know, deep in or now surface level. A lot of things that I think a lot of people thought were buried were in fact revealed to be very, very close to the top already. Um, so like how do you keep it? And he's very much just like, you know, I believe in dreamers. Like the people who like my game, they're dreamers. They're optimistic. They think the world could be a better place. Um, and, you know, didn't back down from it, which is like, yeah, okay, good. That's fine. That's an answer I want to hear, you know? Um, I want to hear you say that, that that is what you believe in because that's what you believe in and like and it shows in the work. So, yeah. you know, double down, I guess. Um, what was really interesting to me spinning from that a little bit was like we did also ask him about crunch yes. and and about work-life balance and, you know, a lot of – a version of the question we asked the company at E3, which we even read that piece. That's up on our site now too. Um, uh, we asked 12 different companies uh, about how they fight crunch and work and good support good work life balance uh at uh E3 and um or you know at home while we were at E3 is when we asked uh if you ever read that piece that's good so we had the version of that question um and Sean's answer was like listen when we when we launched this game yes we absolutely crunch and it's regrettable um you wouldn't imagine what we would have given for an extra day we used to sit around and go what would you give for a week what would you give for a week um my understanding is that like that team put a lot into that game. Yeah. Um, they absolutely worked uh, – overworked themselves. And the thing about his response, one, I'm glad he just was like, yes, we did and it's bad. That's like step number one, say it's bad. Acknowledge that it sucks. Acknowledge yeah. that it happens. Acknowledge yeah. that it's bad. The worst thing is like, oh, we, you know, passion, people, oh, you can't keep him out of the office, Ugh. which is like such bullshit. And also that he has – it's him as like a – in a management role to like right. do better by – like it's his responsibility as like a management and studio culture to both admit it, set an example – and, and try to mm-hmm. do better at it. But I think what you're going to get to is like part of the specific reason why they can do better by it is they made a bunch of money they off made a of bunch No of Man's money. Sky. They made a bunch of money off of No Man's Sky and now he's like every release that we make, we get better at this. We get better at managing ourselves. Presumably that means about deadlines and uh, timelines and like figuring out when they're going to be able to, to you know deliver builds and, and keep up with their, with their goals um, without crunching. And he's like, it's still a problem. It's still a problem across the industry. We're trying to get better at it and I think we can get better at it. But like, yeah, the way he got better at it, the way that that team got better at it is they made bank on that launch. 
which you know, yep. um, I think it was Jeff over at over at Giant Bomb brought this up on on their podcast this week. That was just like the weird thing about this game. One of the weird paradoxes, the, like ethical paradoxes or or quandaries about this game is we don't get No Man's Sky next if ahead of No Man's Sky it's clear what that game is for for as many people it's abundantly clear that what this is is the long dark but in space yeah right this is a survival game in space this is I there's mean, a, I mean is is that the difference between that game just being like no i'm ultra I'm, successful and mega successful like i think i think if I don't people know. had a better idea i don't know like I don't know that I, my takeaway from. Um, Do you actually uh, think people? I don't know. I, I I guess here's the thing. Right, we know it was successful. That's part of the thing that Sean mentioned. You look at the charts. It and was it continues a, to it be continues successful. to be successful. It would have found an audience, but I don't think it would have found the audience it found that produces like yeah, let's just keep doing this. Let's release four expansions for free. You know, right? Like it's a games as service well, with no the, way to put more money in it. There's no those, way to give them more existed, money. Existed, but then they just would have. Charged for like I, I think yeah, there's a, I think there's a world I where guess. like that stuff still yeah. exists. I guess I'm not I'm I'm, I'm I get it. Like I, I understand yeah. like the question you're posing, but I don't know if I draw the same conclusion. So that, so, like, but let me extend it, which is they made enough money to where they can fix their fucking crunch problem, right? By hiring up, presumably by by being better in management, and and by by more importantly by writing their own check. That's actually the most important thing. Is they didn't have. I mean, one of the things he said to us was like they literally had a deadline. They could not move. It was not their they could not choose to move it. There's a point at which you sign the contract, you have to deliver a thing. And that sucks. And so like obviously I want the entire industry to move into a place where like those sorts of limits are are you know, I get that you sign a contract, you sign a contract, uh, but like there is some way of of uh, uh making sure you don't sign contracts that you are that are going to necessarily push you into crunch and like that something be healthy enough to where that works. And I think, Patrick, one of the things that you suggested was just like, hey, this could have been an early access game. Today, this would have been, could have been an early access game. They would have gotten a cash injection that would have kept the the, the ball running uh, and would have been able to pay for, for people to like maybe not work themselves. I think it would have solved literally everything. Yeah, me I mean, it, there still me would have been a blowback because yep. uh, uh, people would have been kind of bummed out about what it was and what it wasn't. But – Early access, the connotation of early access, just like from a like a narrative perspective, from like a site or from a psychological perspective, you go into that game differently. I mean, I think we had the same conversation on Sea of Thieves. Like, I think that game would have benefited from just a AAA publisher saying, "Yo, this game's not done, yeah. and we want you to help us figure it out." Um, and then you cut the price by a little bit to make people feel better about their investment. I think uh, it had No Man's Sky come out. I mean, it. When I asked the question, you know, uh, Sean's response was to, I mean, he said it jokingly, but that, like, he was slightly <laughs> insulted by the insinuation that by, you know, the game was not finished. But, like, yo, like, the game wasn't finished. Um, and I, I that part I do sympathize with. Like, yes, it shipped, but, uh, like, I, I do think it was in a state that people had a right to be uh, upset or at least critical of. Um, and I just think from a, a broader big picture perspective and for where that game has gone since that early access would have just put a framework in people's minds for like, you know, if they had announced six months four was coming out, like, look, we have two things we could do. We could delay this game by 18 months and like get it closer to where we want to be. Or we're going to cut the price by like a third. It's, you know, it's, I don't know what that long, the game launched at $60 probably, right? I think it yeah, did. Yeah, it did 100%. I think it did. Yep. So right, so let's say the game's 30 or 40 and it's like, yeah. "Hey, 
for people who are getting on the ground floor, like know that we've got a lot of work to do, but we have this really cool framework and foundation and like come help us figure out the rest of the game. And then by the time like Atlas, like if Atlas Rises became, all right, now we're going full price. Yeah. You know, we're going, we're hitting 1.0. Imagine the way people were responded to that game uh, differently. They could, they literally couldn't have done that on, because they partner with Sony. Sony does not have an early access program, continues to not have an early access program for reasons that I assume must be related to the same reason I can't change my fucking name on PSN. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why that doesn't exist. I think it's, it's a weird oversight, but I do think that I do think that would have been helpful to that game because uh, it was a prime candidate for that. You know, clearly that path was a path not picked, and it sounds like it was a path that wasn't wasn't possible for them. But but I do think that would have would have changed a lot of things about the way people. It would have changed the way I looked at that game, um, just because it probably would have meant that I just wouldn't have touched it and just like watched some videos and like, cool, I'll come back when next comes out. Right. Right. Um, right. Totally, and that's fine. First, first impressions mean a lot, and I think I think No Man's Sky made a very poor first impression. Totally, on a lot of people. Yeah, I it's it's such a f- funny, weird thing because we're also in the middle of this games as services thing, right? right. And you know, I I, kind of, I play PUBG now and then. I dip in on Fortnite, but by and large, I'm not playing any other games as service games, right? I'm not playing Rainbow Six Siege. I'm not playing The Division at this point. Uh, I'm not playing any of the other Ubisoft games <laughs> that you could list here, but like, and that's a that's a, a I'm not playing a Madden or or you know sports games after my initial like run with them where I play through a campaign or whatever. Um, and that is that makes No Man's Sky kind of special in that it's become a games as service game. It doesn't have a way to monetize yet. Um, we'll see if that changes. <laughs> I mean, no, he yeah, actually my... just said he just said no loot boxes or or microtransactions. In regards to like some of their ongoing content, he did say that during one of the interviews. But like you were about to say, Patrick, they're going to the next expansion is something they're going. Visual to Visual customization be, feels so necessary, I mean, or so aesthetic stuff, and yeah. and also just like whatever is the thing next year, like right. after next. Like they're doing these weekly challenges, they're doing weekly content going forward. Yes. It sounds like they're going to have like a free pipeline that's like okay, here's free stuff we're putting into the game, but. I mean, especially the visual overhaul. Like, the game doesn't look, like, fundamentally different, but it looks really good. Like, it looks a lot better than the game that you can download from Steam or PSN or or XBL right now. Um, And it seems like that's, like, them hitting what, you know, a 1.0, or, I mean, they may be calling it 2.0. I think for a lot of people, it may feel like they're finally hitting 1.0. But, (laughs) like, sort of regardless, um, my, my guess is they would be transitioning to charging, you know, $20 or something for whatever they do the next time. And I think at this point, like having not played next, but like just having read about it and what I've seen and talking to Sean, mm-hmm. I mean, I, th- I think they have made good on the faults that, that existed. They have made good on like, like people should just start fucking letting go of like <laughs> that anger. Like just, just like generally speaking, just like just let that anger speaking. go. There's so like, much to be angry up- about. Yeah. There's so much. There's, there's so much. I'm other still things. upset about no, no man's sky two years later. Like, Find new things to be angry about. Like there like, are so, not, there are better not things to just choke. that. Even it's more specific than that. The specific thing with the with the bomb threat, fucking came in because of butterflies. Because in one of the trailers, what? this is from the 
Uh, this is from the Guardian interview. I remember getting a death threat about the fact that there were butterflies in our original trailer and you could see them as you walked past them, but there weren't any butterflies in the launch game. I remember thinking to myself, maybe when you're sending death threats about butterflies in a game, you might be the bad guy. I'm I like, just, man. Like, I need to get my pretty butterfly. Like, that is I, the most <laughs> absolutely, like, that just sounds like the the worst edgelord tantrum it's so much. In the history of the universe, like, you wanted a beautiful but, butterfly, so you threatened to kill human beings. Uh-huh. Like, just... Which goes back to your thing, you know, that we talked about again and again and again, which is, like, care for people. Like, yes. Recognize they're human beings. God, just recognize the humanity in other people. God. But I bet, I bet that threat doesn't happen without the escalation and connectivity of the internet that we've seen, right? Like, yes. I... One, you probably don't notice that that butterfly's not in the game. Two, if you're not around to get whipped up by other people in a frenzy, like, I think this has like sort of a a, a building block effect on people, where mm-hmm. like when you do like find yourself in communities where like this is all everyone is talking about, like it's not hard to see how this becomes your world or how something that small suddenly becomes of such vast importance or represents. Like something larger, but that this is the thing in front of you yeah. that yeah. like I can take action on. Like, oh, all these motherfucking game developers that like just whatever they bother me for X, Y, and Z. But here, I've got them. Like, I've got this butterfly, and then it's so easy. It's easy to call in a bomb threat. That's the thing. Like, it's both easy to do. It's hard to get caught. There aren't a lot of consequences for it, and because actually it happens so often now, uh, you know, it kind of just like filters off and. Um, yeah, I just, I, I, I think, you know, this is one of those consequences of the internet and com- like, it's great that people can like find each other, but it's also terrible that people can find each other because yeah. when they do, then I think, I think you, it leads to escalations like this where just like you see other people's rhetoric, you get caught up in that psychological mindset and, you know, especially if you've got, you know, particularly vulnerable, psychologically vulnerable people, right? Like if you've got people that are lonely or have... Or have whatever, like you're at a point in your life where you can be more susceptible to these things. Like this fills the vacuum, right? Like there's something, t- the yeah. kind of person that makes this kind of threat. Like there are other things. Which going I know you on don't mean life. as an excuse, right? No, like, no, no, but, no. I'm not excused. But, but, I just I, I think it ex- helps explain, not yes. excuse. Yeah, there is a there is a degree to which this is the part of your life you can have a direct impact on. Is is because you can feel. Uh, not in control, but no. as if you are absolutely uh, supposed to be in control of yes. this. And therefore, you have this righteous rage. I'm saying righteous in giant yeah. air quotes. <laughs> righteous rage against these SJW developers who have done this thing to you. Yeah. In which, like, the real – whatever the real dilemma of your life is has been deferred or been, like, covered up by this other thing. And in fact, often – yeah, it just it, – there's just, like, such a, a fucked ideology at work here, And this right? – this, you know, coming to this, these realizations this week after reading the Joel uh, Bernstein piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, Do you want to talk about that a little Buzzfeed. bit? Yeah, I think we should. It's a it's a profile piece of uh, of I forget his last name Lane. Um, taking a second to actually look it up. Uh, it is. Lane Davis. Lane Davis, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, a, a right-wing sort of blogger, uh, YouTuber, 
uh, who, you know, really spouted a lot of conspiracy theories, a lot of really nasty hate, uh, stabbed his father to death. Uh, and uh, this is a longtime source for uh, Joel Bernstein uh, over at BuzzFeed who would report on right wing movements. He would report right. on sort of this whole social movement. Uh, and a lot of the, uh, you know, the other folks that he interviewed for this piece uh, who he worked with, uh, you know, I don't, I, I don't know how, uh, how you could think this, but it clearly thought, oh, oh, how, how did he not know? It's all a game. It's all a game. It's all, you know, it's all for fun. It's all like whipping people into this sort right. of frenzy. This right wing ridiculous frenzy is a game and not something to be taken too seriously. It's for the lulls, like that sort of idea uh, that is very dangerous and very terrifying. And that's only one thread in this piece, but it pertains to this sort of uh, attitude, this sort of attitude that you're owed something. Uh, by other people, and you have a right and you have a duty to be angry about it. Uh, and there was even uh, somebody quoted in the piece who, you know, claimed he was a liberal or even, quote, a socialist until Gamergate came around, and then he felt as if his his sort of calling in life was to make <laughs> content uh, being angry um, at the SJW. So it's, it's, it's tied in in a really uncomfortable and really scary way, I think. Uh, to a lot of this, that sort of general central kernel of hate and kernel of righteous anger that people feel towards other people or especially towards people on the Internet. Yeah, it's a oops, I just knocked this table. Uh, it's a great piece. It's a really uh, fantastic piece. And I think it, it does start to get at some of what both of you were just talking about in which the conditions of the world are obfuscated your, and your anger is displaced into a space where you have access because it's so easy to feel like you do not have access politically, that you do not have access economically to change. And in fact, often the way the ideology works is to then make you demand that you continue to not have access to those things, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, and, and and in the case of game development, like the thing in, in our space, the thing I come back to again and again and again is that a lot of people – don't know what game development is and think that games just appear on shelves and think that like, you know, uh, however many people are working, if there's anything wrong with a game, it's because someone was lazy or because they were stupid. Oh, it's always laziness, yeah. Uh, or yeah. because they were, they didn't or they think had an of, agenda. they had an agenda, right, exactly. Um, and it, it never can ever be just like, oh yeah, they didn't make a good one this time. They didn't, they overestimated their ability they, you know, they underestimated what what they, or they they had wrong perception of what the audience wanted. And there, I'm not even just talking about No Man's Sky. I'm talking about like games in general. And that doesn't mean you need to be soft as a critic. It doesn't mean you need to like be like, oh well, you know, real people made this, so I shouldn't say it's a bad game. But it's like, oh, it's a bad game. All right, I guess I won't buy it. Like right. the end of the conversation, right? Like, um, which it's so frustrating that we're still having that. Very fundamental, very baseline. Hey, this is how you move through the world, you know? There's got to be a, be a human being yeah. who isn't horrible. I listen, to <laughs> like, so many, I listen to so many bad albums a year, so many disappointing albums. Chance the Rapper put out four songs this week. I don't like any of them. No. Oh, no, really? I haven't Dude. listened to them yet. Oh. Yeah, I don't like any of them. I don't like – they're all right. They're all right. <laughs> like if they were on a good album, they'd be all right. But they ain't good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I like Chance a lot. But I'm not yeah. – but like I get it. It's OK. You know what? Chance is allowed to make four songs I don't like. That's a, that's a, it's fine. Yeah. Um, I can move on. There's a million other things I can do with my time uh, and I don't have to buy them. I don't have to listen to them again. I don't have to – that's it. We, we are we – are, You can we, go listen to that Drake record. 
It's also not good. <laughs> um, it's also bad. There's also like you know what's funny because if Drake's record We're on a had string been, of bad hits, if, if Drake had put out four songs, they were just the four good songs of <laughs> his super long album. I'd be way happier. Um, but no, EPs but like, exist for a reason. The <laughs> the irony is that. The buying stuff is one of the places that like the people who get mad enough to send bomb threats to game developers actually have lots of power in terms of what they do and, and don't choose to buy. Increasingly with Steam, uh, you know, like Steam uh, allowing you to do refunds and stuff like that, right? Um, that Those places, you have a lot of mobility. It's like changing the shape of the marketplace or interceding and saying maybe the world shouldn't be set up like a marketplace where player or where people don't have much agency. It's inside of a marketplace. You're like, oh, I'm going to buy this and this. If you have access to something like Steam, if you're if you're someone who's like, I'm going to spend $60 on a game, you actually have a fair degree of, of agency. It's just like that agency is meaningless when it comes to fixing your life or like improving your living conditions or anything like that, right? Um, and so it's so weird to see those broader angers about the world or broader ideas about how the world works come to bear here where people get hurt, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Maybe that's – do you have any other yeah. thoughts on this thing? Any other – I'm excited for No Man's Sky next. It's out next week. I'm super excited. I'm going to stream it a bunch probably um, because I cannot wait for it. Uh, I'm excited for it. I, totally. I have a history with No Man's Sky that I, I really dislike the first – you know, the onboarding, basically, yeah. of it. I really just like the Which, first hour and a half or so. And then I loved it right. for, like, 10, 15 hours. And then I didn't love it anymore, but I kept <laughs> playing for another 10, 15 hours. I probably put about 30 hours into it. Uh, you know, last not last August, two years ago in August. Right. And uh, I really loved a lot of the things that game was going for. I really loved that exploration. I really loved the whole, it's sci-fi book covers right. that you walk around it. I love that shit. It was actually a lot of the mechanics, a lot of the sort of mining and inventory management that just absolutely put me off uh, after a while. So I'm really excited. And it sounds to play like that improved, stuff is like yeah. yeah. From, we didn't talk at all about what that game is going to be. We'll talk about that once it's out, and we can talk about more, yeah. more. But like, yes, like there's a bit in here where he's like, so now you start the game, and within your first hour or so, uh, you're taught base building. And actually given the opportunity to just focus on that if you want. And then around hour six or seven, you get introduced to freighters, and you get given your first freighter. You're seeing that stuff much earlier on. We brought forward vehicles and things like that. Like uh, he talks later about there being a new sort of um, galactic marketplace whenever you're on a space station where it's like, hey, you know, before if you wanted to go buy a new ship, you have to wait for someone to land, walk over to it, talk to the pilot and be like, hey, can I buy your ship? And then you find out how expensive it was and you'd be like, oh, I can never afford this. I got to go. Uh, and now it's like, no, there's just like a room where you go and you can buy stuff because that's how – Video games work, you know, um, and and things like that. There seems like there's gonna be lots of usability stuff. Apparently, it seems like it's gonna be pretty easy for us to play together if we want to play together, stuff nice. like that. So I'm excited about that. We'll see. We will see next week. That's the thing that also makes this, these interviews make a lot of sense to me. Is like he's doing them four, four days before this game is out. This game is at Walmart now, and you know people are convincing Walmart employees to just like give them that game. Oh yeah, it says you can't sell. Yeah, that's no, it came out two years ago. It's just it's a bug. Just <laughs> let me play it now, please. <laughs> It's a bug. So people will be yeah, in the system, you know. People will probably be streaming this game this weekend yeah. illegally. I'm sorry. Terrible illegal streamers. Um, it's there. Yeah. So so you know, I uh, I think we'll see very soon whether or not this game is going to be for more people or not. Yeah. I'm curious. Even if Patrick, it, it, yeah, one, of the, one Patrick, of the funniest things about this God. piece, I, I just I only edited it in in so far as I you know was doing typo passes, but I read it yesterday. And, like, at one point I, like, typed into our chat. I was just like, 
it's really funny how far you guys are taking this Patrick hates the game thing. Like, it was, like, a very cute, like, through line. Yeah. Where, like, every, you know, every other question, there'd be, like, an aside either from Sean to Austin or Austin to Sean about, like, now I'm not saying this is for Patrick, but, and it, like, it just continues and continues. I don't know. I just thought that was pretty funny. I, but I, you know, that, that I represented, I think, a lot of people that... Well, I, I will say, I came out of uh, one of the demos for that game years ago when I was at Giant Bomb, and me and Vinny looked at each other and went, I don't think this game is the game I want it to be. And I was like, I'm just going to start setting my expectations differently because I don't I don't think this is the space fantasy that I was looking for, which is fine. Um, but I st- you know, still gave it a genuine shot. I played like eight hours when it came out, but I, you know, did, I didn't like chopping up for resources like that's i'm not really into those types of games uh, generally speaking and the rest of it was not enough for me to stick around so uh yeah like a lot of that came from me being the i think the kind of person that like had i paid no i think i did pay money for that i don't think i i don't know if i got a code for that or not either way i whether i paid for it or not i bounced off it and just went okay i you know i moved on to the next thing but uh, I am curious now, two years later. I did jump in and play, like, the Atlas Rises update, like, before we did the interview. Nice. I played, like, 45 minutes and was yeah. like, yeah, but it's still... <laughs> it's still that game. That game. Um, so I am curious to to jump in with some, like, maybe multiple... I don't know. Like, I've settled with it's not for me, but I always like coming back to it to wonder, like, okay, well, maybe there's a thread here I could pull on that I could keep pulling on that would allow me to enjoy the parts that I do enjoy. But you know, I've I've more or less just concluded that it's okay, man. I got Hollow Knight and shit. Like I'm good. Like I don't need to like No Man's Sky to like feel full as a person. You're No Man's Guy. Oh, sorry, that was Boo. an idol. That was an old ass idol thumbs maybe, reference. Maybe I am. I don't know all the guys out there. Maybe I am one man's yeah. guy. Hey, you know, you like Dream Daddy. That was pretty good. So. It's fair. All right. I was probably no, fuck Dream Daddy. I didn't get to go. I didn't get with my guy. We guy was friend zone. Right. I was, I was no sent to the astral plane. my Dream Daddy butterflies. Oh, no. He, maybe he just wasn't the guy, though. True. You know, you we, weren't we that man's the guy. guy is is really no. the, the truth of the matter. I understand. You know? Perfect. <laughs> I Good. get it. Anyway, uh, it's probably going to do it for us. Uh, for episode 171. Of course, if you have questions, you can send them to gamingatdevice.com with the subject question. Shoutouts always to Bowen for letting us use his track Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. We're on Twitter at Waypoint. We're on Facebook at Waypoint Vice. We're on YouTube at Waypoint Vice. And of course, we're on Twitch where you can see us uh, doing our hot mic mornings and all of our Let's Plays uh, at just at Waypoint. Twitch.tv slash Waypoint. And, of course, you can read everything that we do, especially this uh, new interview that just went up today at waypoint.vice.com. Austin, you got something to say. I'm on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker. <laughs> okay, good. Patrick. That's where, it. Where are you on Twitter? That's all I got. At Patrick Lumpik. It's just, he, he, like, moved his face right next to the mic, and I was like, okay, he's ready. He's ready to tell us where he is on Twitter. Twitter.com slash Austin underscore Walker. You can find <laughs> me there on my tweets about No Man's Sky, um, about... Uh, Nintendo characters. Um, I tweet sometimes about sports, but not often. Just sometimes I go, "Wow, it's a sports. good sports game." On like, I have some thoughts about that. Are there Music, sports in No Man's Sky? Do you play a sport? They added races. They're adding races, <gasps> like multiplayer races. What about basketball? No, I, uh, you know, somewhere the universe is big. On some planet far away, there might be someone playing basketball. You probably won't see it. Do you know what game has space basketball? 
Space Jam Pray. for the Saturn. <laughs> Space Jam for the Saturn. That's Sega Saturn. 1996's Space Jam for the Sega Saturn has space basketball in it. That's, I actually kind of want to play that now. I think it's 1996. kind of want to look that up. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> thank you everyone uh, for being wonderful. As always, I will remind you. 1997 in January, that that's close to 1996. Yeah, that's pretty close. That's it fine. slipped. You know what? I hope they didn't crunch. It's actually really sad. Oh, wait, no. That was in a different country. In oh. America, North America, November 26, 1996. Just in time for right. the holidays. It's in 1996. <laughs> just yeah. Is that the big holiday game? Yeah, that was the big one. Acclaimed Space Jam starring Michael Jordan. Space Jam. I don't think Bill Murray was in the game. Oh, shit. Couldn't get Bill Murray. Well. Thanks, everybody. Twitter.com slash Austin underscore Walker. One more time. That's where you can find me on the internet for all of my takes. I really like it. Really glad. Thank you for that gift. Namaste. You're welcome. Be Are good. Is there a response to namaste? I don't know that. I don't know. Namaste. Namaste. Okay. You just say it again. It's like bowing, I guess. It's like you just. I'm not yeah, saying that. That feels racist. That's what namaste means. How does it mean the goddess in me recognizes, recognizes the goddess, the goddess in, in you? you? Okay. That's what they told us at <laughs> I don't believe you. Natalie is being. Natalie, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Uh, I'm at Danielle or I. And I. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. In Hinduism, it means I bow to the divine in you. I bow to the divine in you. Yeah, I like that. Oh, okay. So all right. In, sure. in the context, I see. You're not on the microphone. I don't think you're. Sorry. Right. Natalie went to an all girls school, so it was goddesses. Right. Uh, but. Uh, the gender-neutral sp- version is divinity. When you speak like. into a microphone, you have to make sure people hear you now. Okay? <laughs> Sorry, it's just a tip. For more tips, you can go to twitter.com slash Austin underscore Walker, <laughs> which is where I put all of my best tips. Yeah, but I really want you to have space basketball tips. I'm really, like, upset. That there dunks are, are easier. Yeah. Because you're in space. You can jump higher. Can you do, like, cooler dunks because yeah. of it? Yeah. Like, can you, you do, don't get like, any more triple points, axles. So don't do that. Just dunk the ball and score and move on with your life. It's yeah. not, you don't get kudos points. This isn't. Are you sure? What was the racing game with kudos points? <laughs> you get kudos for delicious granola bars. Uh, Metropolis Street Racer. Metropolis. It's not, you thank go. you, Patrick Klepek. Twitter.com slash Patrick underscore Klepek. That's not right. <laughs> I don't think that's where he lives. Patrick that's, that's where I go to uh, talk about Metropolis Street Racer. That's where you can find all the great MSR. new tips. Patrick underscore Klepek and Metropolis Street Race. That's going to do it for me. Bye for me. Bye, bye, Austin. Thank you for giving us – you gave us a lot there. You gave us a gift. Uh, Once again, I say namaste. And I say to all of you, dear listeners, for sticking with us, be good and be good at it. Peace. Peace. Bowen. Thank you, Bowen. We point out zone slash B O E N for all the latest tips about <laughs> music. About being bow Bo and N. Bow and be bow and be bow and Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 